Hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Driven E-Commerce at Work, a TCCAP podcast that brings you conversations with the industry experts. And I'm your host, Shiva. So today we've got a special guest, Jim Kloss. He has over three decades of experience in food service, distribution, and food and beverage manufacturing industry. He has a multifaceted relationship with the industry leaders, and he's been working closely with hundreds of large manufacturers, distributors, transportation providers, and large operators. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you. Cool. So how's everything going over there in Charlotte, Jim? I think it's getting better. I think that slowly but surely, the predictions have been um, inaccurate. Uh, and so people are starting to look beyond the numbers to what's taking place in at least the U.S. And I, I think things will start to open up. Oh, slowly, but they'll at least start to open up. So there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, you've been in this industry for quite a while, at least like, you know, 20, 30 years. I actually want to touch down on the previous financial crisis as well. So how do you differentiate, you know, the industry prior to 2009 and then, you know, after 2009, especially, you know, after those financial crises? Sure. So the 2009 um, recession, uh, came up fairly quickly, but it didn't impact, at least on the food service side. So again, I'm talking about um, the, the, in the food and industry, the, the part of the business that um, is considered food away from home for, so college, university feeding, uh, school feeding, um, restaurants, uh, that category. So I'm not talking about retail stores, I'm talking about food service. So food service in 2009 was hit because of the recession, but it was hit only in pretty much the dining segment with some of the contract management, which means cafeteria feeding um, was impacted slightly, but schools, universities were not impacted at all. Uh, today, everything is closed. So schools and universities, um, have not reopened in the US and, and may not reopen till September. Uh, so that segment of the economy, uh, which was not impacted in 2009 is impacted heavily. In addition, um, being able to dine in a restaurant is, is stopped for the foreseeable future as well. So it, it's a different environment. It's, it's like someone turned off the water spigot completely where 2009, it was fine dining, casual dining that were impacted more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I was reading this data from NPD Group. I mean, the restaurant transactions down by, you know, almost like 42%. And the food service is down by almost like 79%, right? Well, in, in food service in um, 2019, uh, according to NPD, was... 54 cents of every dollar Americans spent on food was spent in food service. Um, obviously with what's taking place today, that number is, 
I can't even guess, but it, it, it's got to be well less than uh, 20 cents of every dollar spent on food service. And, and, and that number is going to take a long time to get, climb back up into the 40s. So how do you think uh, the large manufacturers are overcoming you know, this situation, especially uh, I really wanted to understand the percentage of the e-commerce growth in the manufacturing and then the distribution space. Sure. So the big manufacturers, depending upon their business, are doing okay. So if I'm a ConAgra or Kraft Heinz, but I have a large consumer products retail business, what I'm doing is transferring my production that I had in food service over to retail packaging, and I'm doing fine, right? So that's for, so that there's a kind of a split in, in food service manufacturer or food manufacturing between people that have a strong retail presence uh, or even a retail presence at all. So people like Tyson, um, Purdue Farms, uh, protein manufacturers can easily switch their manufacturing from one um, area to another. Uh, and, and so they're not being hurt. In fact, they're going to come out of this in pretty good shape. Now, if I'm a manufacturer of basically food service first products, um, a lot of specialty bakery companies, French fry companies, seafood companies, they're in a lot worse shape for a couple reasons. First is obviously the demand is dried up, not completely, but pretty much. That's number one. And then number two is their accounts receivable. Their payments from distributors aren't taking place as well because the distributors aren't paying, being paid by the restaurateur because restaurateur is closed. So that whole supply chain is um, being disrupted dramatically. So uh, there's a, a bifurcation of food service manufacturers or food manufacturers, ones that are, like I said, uh, strong in retail or have a retail presence versus those that don't. Uh, and, and so some are going to do very well. Some are going to struggle as we come out of this. Mm -hmm. So do you think this is going to uh, improvise the domestic and then the local sourcing as well moving forward the next couple of months? Um, can you read? That. Yeah, I mean, so especially let's say if we're not talking about uh, the food service industry, right? So uh, the other technology-based uh, manufacturing or distribution industry. So currently they're outsourcing from the other countries as well, right? So let's say when we get into the food service industry, so how are they currently manufacturing? How I know how do they handle the domestic, uh, the local sourcing? Is that like a huge number or no? Uh, let's say if it's not, uh, how, is that gonna be? getting increased in the couple of months because of this COVID situation? Well, at least from the food perspective here in the U.S., most of it is domestically or, you know, this continent provided. So we might have Brazilian, we might have Canadian, might have Mexican produce, but it's that supply chain is, 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 is doing okay. Uh, there is some concern, uh, especially in the protein sector around, um, a lot of these meat plants, these huge meat plants where they break down carcasses into cuts of meat for consumers, whether it's retail or food service, where they're having some issues around the coronavirus. Uh, so there will be some short-term um, disruption, but the disruption won't be from 
supply chain from Asia like it would be in, in technology. And how do you think this is going to affect uh, the employees or the resistance? So let's say Starbucks raised the wage by dollar three an hour, I guess. And the same goes to Chipotle as well. Ten, they've raised the 10 percentage wage, wage hike. Right? So how does this work with the other manufacturers or you know other distributors? Is that going to be a job cut? Oh, definitely. So let's start with the restaurants and work our way back up to the manufacturers. So because restaurants are not open, uh, the demand for waiters, kitchen staff, whatever is non-existent. So from the numbers I've seen, about 10, 10 million, I'm sorry, not 10,000, 10 million food service workers in the restaurant industry are now unemployed. Now, when we get past what I call the great reset in food service, um, because of social distancing requirements, because of consumer uh, trepidation and going into restaurants, you're not going to have those 10 million people back at work uh, for the foreseeable future. I, I, if I was to guess, I would say that you might be back in three to six months to 5 million of those people or 50% of those people will be back at work. The rest won't. So let's work our way up then to distributors. So distributors will have less customers to call on because the number of restaurants will be closed. Uh, they will have less employees and less demand for, for their services through the, through the restaurateur and the operator. And going back up to the supply chain to the manufacturer is the same thing. Plants will not be running at full production um, because the, the demand downstream won't be there. So what are some of the difficult challenges the distributors is facing right now that you think you know, uh, can be done better? Uh, we can foresee a different future, at least within the next three, six months. Okay, so let's take it as three to six months after the, um, the, the uh, requirements open up, right? So not three months from today, but maybe three months from a couple weeks from now or a month from now when, when things start to open up. So if I'm a distributor, I need to figure out a way to be able to service the customers that survive better. I need to be able to show them that I can handle their business, but I don't know if I need a sales rep with the expense uh, incurred by that sales rep with commissions to be calling on them. And also, does the operator, now that he's gotten used to not having someone coming through the back door asking him for his order, and he's been ordering online, is there a way that I can use uh, digital uh, e-commerce to connect with that operator. You know, how, how can I reach that operator, provide a message to him that uh, is meaningful uh, to, to that operator without a physical person handling that? Uh, I think that's going to be a major step for distributors. They're not going to have as many sales reps as they had in the past. Uh, and if you want me to take that up one more level, I think the same thing is going to happen with manufacturers. They're going to need to find a way to reach the operator without a agency or direct sales force um, as well. They need to they need to connect with the distributor as well from a digital or e-commerce perspective and provide the right message to the right customer at the right time. Uh, 
I honestly believe that, that, that this industry is going to get a lot more streamlined and a lot more um, digitized. And uh, can you talk about the types of distribution, like, I mean, the broad line specialty or how does uh, the wholesale distribution works and other things? So wholesale distribution in the U.S. is, it was, let me re-say this, was around $298 billion in food service. I'm not talking retail, just talking food service. Obviously, that number is going to be a lot lower post the Great Reset. The number of distributors will be down dramatically as well, especially distributors under $100 million in sales. They just don't have the cash flow or the cash reserves to survive. So the distributor community is, is just has to tighten their belts again. Before the Great Reset, distributors were making less than 2% profit after tax. Uh, and, and now with their receivables being where they're at in their um, payables being where they're at, th that number will drop to zero. Uh, for a period of time. So unfortunately or fortunately, the strong will survive uh, and come out of this better at the other end with less competition, uh, but they're also going into a smaller marketplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think, uh, you know, this is gonna set ways for Amazon to, you know, disrupt into the specific industry? Uh, can you ask that again, please? Yeah, I mean, so uh, let's say uh, one industry, Amazon, was said to, you know, just especially into this space. So do you think that uh, this COVID situation is going to part ways for Amazon to come up with new ideas and steps that the other distributors are not doing? Oh, yes. I think that Amazon has an opening in food service if they want it, because um, the, the, the customer, the operator uh, is now used to ordering everything online. He's used to personally ordering everything on Amazon and getting it. it. Amazon's got distribution centers around the US. They don't have frozen distribution centers, right? Or refrigerated distribution centers for the most part, but there's gonna be some properties available uh, as, as the traditional food service distributors consolidate, cons even the big ones like Cisco, US Foods, BFG, they consolidate warehouses to the smaller market there's going to be cold storage availability that Amazon could take advantage of um, and provide the manufacturers for the food service industry another channel to reach that operator uh, pretty much digi digitally um, and, and reduce whatever the costs are dramatically across the whole supply chain. And so uh, do you know any manufacturers, especially in the B2B e-commerce space that are growing, I mean, that are doing better within the past 10 years that other, you know, small manufacturers can learn from them right now? Uh, yes, there's a number of manufacturers that have embraced either utilizing Amazon for some of their business. Uh, again, these are manufacturers that are uh, shelf-stable products, if you think about it, because of in, in, in the food service supply chain, you know, you have approximately a million restaurants out there. Um, so how are you going to reach them with, with the quantities they need? They don't order, uh, you know, one case of, or one, one unit of ketchup. They order cases of ketchup and, and, and you know, multiple pounds of different cuts of meat and all that. It's, it, it, it's a 
complicated supply chain, but for certain people, especially snack people, um, uh, people that, that, that have shelf-stable products, they've used Amazon already to, to reach their customers. I know one um, manufacturer that uses Amazon to fulfill bids for their food service customers, which is really unique. Usually you go through a distributor, but they went through Amazon instead, but their product lent itself. It was a high value, low cube product that, that fit well. Um, so th there are people that have been doing it. Obviously the demand now is, is uh, dropped drastically, but, but as, as things pick up, I think more manufacturers will start looking at how can I reach that operator better? Is it through a traditional food service distributor? Is it through Amazon? Is it direct? Um, what am I going to do and how, how am I going to help that customer succeed, right? At the end of the day, you have to make sure that that operator has a offering that customers are willing to come in for either to sit down and eat or have delivered or have picked up uh, to, to drive that kind of response because it all depends on the consumer and, and his taste. So there's going to be new models coming out of this that uh, no one's even imagined yet. It'll be interesting to see how this evolves over the next 18 months. So uh, if you were to comment on the small business owner, so let's say if I'm, I'm, I'm a small scale manufacturer or distributor, uh, what do you what do you kind of like suggest right now? Okay, so if this is if this is what's going to happen in the next three six months, and yeah, there are job cuts, and there's going to be a decline in in the overall uh, percentage as well. So if you continue do this, maybe you know things can get better. What do you comment on that? Well, if I was a small manufacturer, the first thing I would do is see what kind of data I have around the end customer, the restaurateur, the, the college and university, whatever. Do I have information about them that I can digitize? Do I have their email? Um, do I have their cell phone? Uh, what, what can I do to make sure that I can start reaching out to those people directly uh, to help them? So again, think about this. I need to help them. It's, it's, I want to sell my product, but to sell my product today and try to push my product today is going to be uh, not well received. But if you can help that operator understand what's going on in the industry, provide some suggestions of, of what they could do to at least survive, become a, a, a resource for them, that will allow you as things loosen up the permission then to start providing them with concepts that you have that might even help them grow their business more. I think the first thing you need to do is, is, is really understand how much information you can get at today, that you have today in, in your systems, that, that I can start reaching out to these, these operators and, and begin a pilot somewhere, some way, and be able to figure out and measure what, what the results are. You're going to make some mistakes, if you have the intent of trying to help that customer survive, they'll allow you to make mistakes and they may even suggest ways that you can do things better. So uh, that was, that was a 
good insight. And so are there anything that the industry is not aware of right now, you know, that you think, okay, hey, hey, this is something that you're not aware of or you're not doing good. So maybe just be prepared for what's going to come in. Yeah. So again, I think that the problem is in, in food service has been pretty much a state industry that, you know, we always did things the way we always did them. Uh, and the industry kept growing. We went from uh, when I first got into this industry, 25 cents of every dollar spent on food was in food service. So like I said, the high point last year, 54 cents of every dollar spent on food was spent on food service. And so people didn't pay attention to digital. They didn't pay attention to e-commerce. Um, they they um, marketed in traditional ways they always did versus trying to really understand how to help the customer. So I, I think that's the biggest um, takeaway is that they have information today that they don't even know they have. They got to start culling through that, analyzing it, and then start using it and start experimenting on how to communicate to that end customer, and maybe even eventually to the consumer around the values of their product, the, the, the value of their product to that consumer, um, you know, menu trends, things like that. I think that, 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 that you need to start not stop thinking about just the product and start thinking about the whole ecosystem in which your product exists. And yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Jim. And I think that's what uh, the community is doing as well. So especially, you know, companies uh, that are offering the e-commerce platforms, and the agencies that are implementing this, they're just trying to help the community as well. And they are trying to help, you know, uh, people's like, you know, distributors and uh, the restaurant owners where, you know, they give you like a sort of a three to six month free trail or whatever. So they can just go out and start their own e-commerce store. And at least they try to understand what the digital is all about and how can, how they, you know, they can drive traffic to their online store without relying on, you know, the typical stuff that we did like 10 years ago. Right. So yeah, for sure, uh, Jim, that's, that's, that's definitely something, you know, uh, I think everyone needs to learn. And at least, you know, this is the time for us to uh, experiment new things as well, right? So companies bond and uh, the new ideas and innovations bond only when there is a crisis, right? Yep. I mean, there's, as they used to say and still say, you know, uh, when there's a paradigm shift, everything goes back to zero. So I think we're in a paradigm shift now. And if, if you're going to assume that you can do business the way you've always done business, uh, you're going to be very surprised. You know, you don't want to be a Sears. Uh, you want to be an Amazon. Yeah, cool. Uh, thank you so much for your uh, time, Jim. Uh, it was great talking to you. And I'm sure, you know, your insights and ideas is going to help uh, the audiences as well. Glad to do so. Yeah, you have a good day. Take care. Okay. That was our conversation with Jim Kloss, the food service industry advisor and the managing director of Market Intelligence. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay safe.
stay healthy. And I'm your host, Shiva.